Uh, hello and uh, welcome to the Chairman's Lounge. And as Daniel James said last week, if there is a postcode in this country, if, <laughs> then there is a Chairman's Lounge. Today we come to you live from the Chairman's Lounge in Fishwick. It's in many ways the Chairman's Lounge, Chairman's Lounge. In Fishwick, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, don't, I think this is a mystery to many people as to why they put the biggest one and the best one here, but here it is. Uh, and, and because of the fireworks, the access, of, access to illegal fireworks. I remember the days of fireworks and porn in Canberra, and, uh, and I wonder what their economy's like. And they, but anyway, we get off the track. And Daniel James, please explain to me again why you have brought us here uh, to this magnificent uh, Lush and Plage it is, place. It's lovely, that, isn't it? It's gorgeous. Uh, it, uh, if only my home looked <laughs> like this. Uh, yes. What, why are we here in the in a chairman's lounge? Because after years of uh, flapping around in the dark, we have finally realised that the chairman's lounge is where all the important decisions are made yeah, yeah, yeah. for Australians on behalf of the elite. Mm. And so where, what better thing to do than to get ourselves a membership the chairman's lounge sit here luxuriate in the luxury of the place and find out what the real deal is and, and i when i think of all those years that have been wasted uh pissing about at elections uh, wasting time picking up the newspaper to see what the latest high court decision was on something waiting for the co- uh, commission to hand down some form of report about so when i think about all those years that we wasted on that crap oh, I, it, I, it upsets me and i realize if we had to come here years ago I spent hours watching the debate in Parliament as to whether we should go to a war in Iraq. Yeah, yeah. When all I had to do was just sit here, take the earbuds out, just keep my eyes peeled and my ears open. So here we are, and we welcome you to it, uh, where there are always extra towels. There's personalised toiletries. And anyone who makes less than 400,000k a year is hunted down and shot, and their heads are mounted here by the entrance as a warning to others. So welcome. We're going to grab the, a few big stories of the week and be a goiter on the neck of the decision makers. So Daniel James, I'd say the biggest, the biggest political story of the week is that the Premier of Victoria smoked one cigarette and is now gone. Oh, you, you missed it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the, the, yeah, it was. It's a little bit more complicated oh, than okay. that, Justin. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, we know that he loves his cigarettes. That's, that's been a rumor for a long time, and mm. we know that he loves to get on the beers. Yes, but um, you know, he actually just called it a day because, like all dictators do, all despots do, they voluntarily resign, and they hand over their bloodstained empire to a party political democratic process, <laughs> and then we get ourselves a new premier. And, and that's what... So you, you're ruling out the cigarette as a factor in the... Uh, Dan, well, Dan Andrews has been blamed for, for so much. I don't think um, the cancer rate from tobacco is something that he can be okay, labelled with. That's interesting. I, cause Everything I, else, though. Because I, I had assumed that uh, if he were vaping or... Hang on, hang on. Or if... Uh, how's that? Is it good? Oh, that's a good drop, that is. <laughs> Very cheeky. If, Very cheeky. <laughs> if, uh, if by any chance... He was smoking a cigar like Joe Hockey had been smoking a cigar. Yes. He might have been all right. But he exactly. had it. I was, this is what I was worried about. Joe Hockey survived smoking a cigar 
after handing down a budget that was probably very much on the crappy side for working-class people. He got away with that. However, the Premier of Victoria smoked a cigarette and is and now gone. gone. So gone. You, I mean, you it, don't, you, look, I, I, I just thought I it was personally a thing. Think, no, no, I personally think it's a little bit more complicated than that. But it wasn't a good... Because he was, he was smoking the ciggy in, in what looked like a bush. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it was obviously a, a big telescopic lens that, you know, yes. was, was on him from, yeah, yeah. from yeah. some sort of skyscraper somewhere. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, smoking a ciggy in the bush mm. doesn't look good. In a bush, not the bush. You know, it reminded me of our old shelter sheds at school. Yes, exactly. Uh, where we, uh, we did a few ourselves. However, I might point out that I wasn't Premier of Victoria at the time. No. Would you class, in all seriousness, would you class uh, Daniel Andrews as, just before he went, the best politician in Australia? I don't say that as a good thing or a bad thing. No. I don't make it a compliment, but was he was the best politician in Australia? I, I, I understand exactly what you're saying because we could have said... Uh, John Howard, for many years, was the best politician in Australia he in was. terms of his he was. Um, yep. effectiveness and being able to control narratives, um, control polls, take care of his party, control his party room. Yep. Um, I think if we think about Dan Andrews along the same lines as that, then you would have to say, yes, he's probably the most effective politician in the country. Yeah, yeah. Because it did leapfrog a bit. I think we had Keating, who was like that. Yep. Howard, who was like that. And then this five prime ministers... That just flipped around in the uh, in the in the dark. This, this void of people who probably needed to go to night school to learn how to be uh, good <laughs> leaders, uh, and then we had Daniel Andrews. Yeah. Look, I'm cautious of anyone who constantly criticises uh, Daniel Andrews. I'm also cautious of anyone who constantly supports him. That is the realm of political stooges, and that's not the game we're in. Those people can just bugger off. I think towards the end of his tenure, he did good and bad, and that's for the history books to answer to. Towards the end of the tenure, he got a little secret, tried to cover things up, wasn't as open as he should have been, not just to the media, but to the people he was answering to, and probably needed to go. History shows us that the longer governments are in power for, the more secretive they become, uh, the more centralised they become in their power. Dan Andrews uh, had very centralised power, power through his office. All the media inquiries apparently went through his office if they wanted to, if the media wanted to speak to other ministers and the like. But there's another question here, and the question is, what's the Herald Sun going to do now? I mean, they might have to start whipping themselves for the time being until they start like getting their radar set on um, Jacinta Allen. Um, as a, uh, 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 we're a public service, if nothing else, uh, Justin, and you can just sit there and stay quiet. Um, but the Love X Expo is coming up in November, and they might want to avail themselves of some of the gear down there to help themselves flagellate now that the whipping boy has stormed off into the sunset. We might end that one there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. On, no, I just, uh, I just let the images roll over me, and, uh, and and I thank you for that. I think at about two a.m. Uh, they'll come to visit me one more time. The uh, I, I would say this about him. He did end whatever you, whatever you want to say about him. Uh, he has ended on a broken promise. The last thing he did as premier was a broken promise. He said that he was going to say, look, he, I know he said he changed his mind. That's fine. He can do that. And, that, you know, there's no gun to anybody's head. He doesn't have to stay in the job. But he did say he was going to stay in the job and do the full term. And I've got to tell you, this is what p- 
pisses me off beyond belief is the very Australian form of democracy. And it, it is, it's happened so many times that... It hasn't been brought up this week. Nobody even notices it anymore. That's right. That that I think the premiers, premiers of New South Wales, Victoria, to a lesser extent Queensland, are the most powerful people in Australia. Yes. The Prime Minister is behind New South Wales well, and the, Victorian the, the premiers. Pan, the pandemic absolutely showed that, you know, totally. Damn right, damn right. And I think, you know, anyone who's spent a little bit of time in a room with the Constitution realises that the, the power is with the big... Uh, the big states. So we've got these big leaders who can all of a sudden decide... Do we know whether he's vacating his seat or...? No, he's, he's, he's out. He's, he's out. There shall be a by-election wow. uh, very soon. And look, that, the by-election thing is fine because that's going back to the people. And again, there's no gun to his head. If he says, look, I want to leave, then that's fine. But the leader of the second most populous state, an incredibly powerful state, says, listen, I'm not going to do it anymore... And then he, he does a press conference and takes off. Then the backroom boys, who we mentioned last week, with their Chinese food, roll in. Chow men down the, the front of the The down the front of the show. And they start making decisions about who the next bloody Premier is. I've got to tell you, that pisses me off. And I'm a bit sick of that. We had Bailey Napthine, Rudd Gillard, Abbott Turnbull, Morrison, Gladys, and then Dominic. Things rolled around. And none of that was a vote that we were able to make. Chairman Justin, have mm. a sip. Thank you. Calm down. <clears throat> Can I have a cigarette? <laughs> <laughs> this is a cigarette, all right. Oh, menthol. One of the worst things uh, I think about living in Australia is that everyone thinks they can do an impersonation of Kamal. Why are people so unkind? <laughs> And, and he did. I always remember Jerry Seinfeld when he was with his dentist and the dentist was doing Jewish jokes and somebody said, does that offend you as a Jew? And he said, no, it offends me as a comedian. That's how I, that's how I feel when, when someone does a Kamal joke. But help me out here. So Kamal, around the, the voice to Parliament. Yes. Kamal said no. Yes. Then Kamal said yes. He did. And then in one of the greatest moments in Australian television history, during an interview on Channel 10's The Project, he flipped back to no again. So hang on, Kamal, you were originally saying no and then you went to yes. So uh, are you back on no? Yeah, because no, because it, no is an informed decision. Uh, the, yes, the first no was an uninformed decision, and then a yes was a semi-informed decision. And now, 100%, I am well and truly uh, committed to saying no. He asks, why are people so unkind? Well, I might say that because, Kamal, you were flip-flopping about like a cup that's just been dragged out of a muddy river and thrown on the kiddies' trampoline. Now, I don't want to... I'm not, and I'm not going to. I don't want to beat up on a, an 88-year-old man, a person of colour, who's risen through the ranks here in Australia somewhere. That would be unlikely for him as a person of colour, particularly in the 70s and 80s, to, to come up through the entertainment chain, as it were. But if I was going to seek advice... Sorry, did you just put Kamal in the trailblazer category? I did, absolutely. I I thought, yeah. I'm just checking. Well, you think. Have, have a think, Justin. I wouldn't ask him about constitutional reform for myself. <laughs> as much of a trailblazer, yeah. you wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would ask him about the, the meaning of his 1975 hit, The Elephant Song. Mm. 
which is um, I can't hear it playing. We have to run from um, I would go to a constitutional lawyer, for instance, to, to ask about someone like Shireen Morris. Well, uh, thank you for bringing that up because I did want to mention that to you. Uh, and I know you are, um, as a proud Yorta Yorta man, you're smack dab in the, in the middle of this and you've involved yourself in, in many of these discussions. Who actually, in all honesty, who should we listen to? Not, not just for a yes or not just for a no. Outside of the campaigners, who's good to listen to? Well, I reckon the best thing you can do is actually listening to not the sloganeering, not the ads, but the actual reasoning behind the voice and the logic behind it. And I believe if people actually go and do that and listen to the reasons for the voice, the effect that it will and won't have on the broader population, then people will maybe go from a soft no to a, a soft yes on it. So, I'd, you know, people like Noel Pearson yesterday... Um, he's probably the, the chief campaigner for the Yes campaign, but he gave a really good speech at the National Press Club outlining why the voice is appropriate and why the voice is necessary for Aboriginal people. And remembering this is a constitutional reform that will not affect yeah. 97% of the population. My biggest concern is if I don't listen to the slogans uh, and if I, uh, you know, I'm going to miss out. When I think of all those exclamation marks that I'm going to miss out on, that I'm not going to see, well, I, feel, I feel this yearning. I mean, I mean, all those capital letters, uh, all the exclamation marks, um, all the, uh, the racist tropes, you know, if, oh, you the ra- listen, yes. if you want to listen to the conservative oh, no yeah, side. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, you can listen to that if you that. want, yeah, but yeah. Um, it's, it's, not really, it's not really an argument, though, is it? It's not really something you should be basing a decision on. And I liked what you, what you had to say, uh, and, and for goodness sake, grab uh, a Noel Pearson speech and listen to the entire thing as opposed to the slogans, because the Yes campaign had the slogan, let's get this done. Yeah. Now, I'd like to put a vote forward right now. That's the most shit slogan I've ever heard in my entire life. I have been... For, for a political it is, it constitutional is, change. It's hard to believe that it's worse than if you don't know, vote no. But somehow it is. Yes. <laughs> Look, you're, sorry, you're, I'm going to go back on that. You're right, it's a draw between the two of those. They're both shit. And here we are. Here we are. Well, I think we're 16 days, maybe 15 days away from having to make a decision on this thing. And we're talking about Kamal. One of the reasons why we're here in the Chairman's Lounge is because this is where the power uh, really is. And speaking of power, please, Daniel James, explain to me who the hell is Mike Pizzullo and why was I happily ignorant of this guy well, a couple were, of days ago? You were ignorant before Nick McKenzie, who I must say has somehow managed to break the time-space continuum and find 30 hours in a day, hence the amount of stories he's able to break. Mm. Yeah, he's a cracker. Yeah, he's an absolute cracker. Um, Michael Bazzillo is the Home Affairs Department Secretary. He uh, is someone that has been around Parliament for a long time, around politics for a long time, particularly Conservative politics. He's on 900k plus a year as a Secretary of that department. And you were willfully unaware of, you know, his real operations because it was a secret until someone dumped a truckload of text messages in Nick McKenzie's lap. Hmm. Um, 
probably who knows how long ago, the texts show that Pizzullo is not only rooting for the conservative side of politics, but he's also wanting to root Australian democracy at the same time. And uh, doing a ruddy good job, I would say. This uh, The world hates a turncoat. He was a former... Uh, Deputy Chief of Staff to Kim Beasley, yes. a former Labor Party staffer, and then he just uh, flicked it to a right-wing nut job. And the world hates a turncoat. Come on. Everyone hates a turncoat. That's absolutely true. I could name several turncoats that uh, are currently uh, starring in the uh, current political debate mm-hmm. um, over the voice, but I won't. But say what you will about politicians. I mean, sure, almost to person they have at least sociopathic tendencies but at least they have the guts and the courage to get in the arena and take all, take all the slings and arrows that are, are thrown at them by the press the media and the public whereas someone like Pizzullo was just happy to stay in the shadows and try and be a puppet master when actually he's nothing more but just a muppet non-elected army yeah holding all the power not good. And people wonder why we're in the chairman's lounge. We here. Wonder no longer. Just before, I think, that might be the flight, but just before we, uh, just before we do go, uh, uh, Mr. Alan Joyce, as we're here in the spot, and we talked about him last week, uh, Alan Joyce could have, could have gone to the Senate committee and could have answered questions, you know, about this guitar business, this minor guitar business, this this high court uh, decision. Palava. Palava of illegally sacking a couple of whinges who, yeah, you know, really grover. honestly should just... Work, I think just, the workforce. Just get a life. And, yeah. and, and the disgruntled customers who... These, these, piddling, these piddling dollars that they played for flights. Who cares if they were cancelled and they were never going to take off in the first place? He could have gone and answered those questions. He decided uh, not to... And he left it to a woman in a lemon blouse, who is uh, is his uh, is his uh, successor. You know, CEO. I, I I put in a lot of time preparing for this mm. uh, for this. I guess we can call it a podcast. It's more of a fireside chat. But I came across a damning. It's an indulgence. In, it's an indulgence. Yes. In the great, the finer things in life. I came across a damning uh, statistic this morning, and that statistic says ninety-five percent of the domestic flight share in Australia is between Qantas and Virgin mm. and 80% of the profits go to Qantas <laughs> that's why you go to the chairman's lounge that's why they put you up that's why they give you the sirloin that's why they give you the Shiraz this is why they give you the cigars and the sauna and the massages because for Qantas it's a happy ending <sighs> that that's that, Eighty percent. That's a lot of lemon blouses, uh, I must say. And uh, meanwhile, uh, one of the people who uh, in that lemon blouse, who was part of all that for very lo- a very long time, is the new boss, saying sorry. And we have yes. the board, um, who probably had nothing to do with it. They wouldn't be making any decisions. Surely, as a board, they would have nothing to do with sacking people. Look, one of them can't even selling bring tickets themselves to, to wear a proper flights. shirt. I mean, it's just t-shirts. It's just you know, I, I, what the hell would they have to do with it? Oh, that's this the thing. This is the final call for okay. Mr. Justin Smith and Mr. Daniel James to depart the Chairman's Lounge and head to your gate. Your flight is about to depart. So that's it from the Chairman's Lounge in Fishwick. Uh, 
we've got to catch our flight. We have been produced by the Content Engine. And get in contact with them, please, if you will, and say whatever the hell you like, live from the Chairman's Lounge at gmail.com. <laughs>